You've nailed the event programming. The speakers are scheduled. The stage is almost set, and the reality of your hard work is coming to fruition. Putting together a design conference is no easy task. So what does it take to throw an event? How do you get invited to speak? And how do you make it a valuable experience for the attendees? Hello, I'm Matthew Encina, the Chief Content Officer at The Future, recording this intro for Chris while he's out of town. In this episode of The Future Podcast, Chris dives deep with Martha Murray and Heather Crank, organizers of the Ben Design Conference. They discuss why they throw the event, the logistics of putting it together, and talk about their goals to serve the creative community. I'm Martha Murray, and um, I'm an interior designer living in Bend, Oregon. My name is Heather Crank. I'm a motion designer and graphic designer. And what's your relationship to the Bend Design Conference and Scalehouse? I am the co-chair of Scalehouse and co-producer of Bend Design. And Heather is on our programming committee. Yes. Okay, so you're co-chair. So Scalehouse is the organization that produces the Bend Design Conference? Correct. Are there other things at Scalehouse that you guys do? Yes, we have um, some year-round programming. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, we have a, a series called Scalehouse Voices, where we bring artists and designers and creators in from out of the area to talk with talk about what they do and their work and how they do it. And uh, we do it at the local university here, so there's a big student population that comes to this. Um, and we do other things throughout the year. We we partner with. Ben Film on the Ben Film Scramble, which is a, a filmmaking exercise for people. It's They have 72 hours to make a short film on, a, on any given subject. Um, and we just do, we do other programming throughout the year and collaborate with other organizations here. Are you still running an interior design practice? I am. So how do you divide up your time? Because it sounds like it takes up a lot of your time. That's a really good question. <laughs> Um, I probably don't do it as well as I could, mm-hmm. um, but I have learned over the years that I really have to um, compartmentalize my time. So I set, you know, when I go to the office to work on my interior design, I have to completely put scale house and bend design out of my mind or it will take over. So I just can't even let myself look at that until I've done what I need to do for the day. And then I can turn to those entities and say, okay, what do I, what do I need to do here? And a lot of it's evenings and weekends. It sounds to me like you're very, very passionate about this, Martha, that you, that's almost like your playtime. And why are you so passionate about this? Cause you, you have your job and your practice, the thing that puts food in your table and this, this passion, this love to contribute to the community. Why, why do you feel this way? Well, I just, I love being around creative people. And so if I can create avenues for myself to do that, I, I'm selfishly will do that. Um, I also love Bend is a small community. So I like bringing the greater world to us 
Um, many people who live here have come from urban areas, myself included. And so we miss a lot of this arts and culture that we're not getting here. So it's this is an effort to bring some of that here. We're creating what we want to see. So why why did you move to to Ben? What drew you there in the first place? I needed to leave the traffic of the Bay Area. I was mm. living myself. I was living my life around traffic patterns, and that just seemed really, really silly. It's a big waste of time. Okay, but there must be other places where there's not the same kind of congestion. Um, yes, this is true. But Bend has, for for a place of this size, Bend, especially when I moved here, it's and more so now. But when I moved here 16 years ago, it had a level of sophistication that a lot of places of that size did not have. And as an interior designer, I needed a certain population in order to make a living. And I saw it here where I didn't see it in other places. So 16 years later, any regrets? No, no. My family's still in the Bay Area. And when I go down, it's like, oh, how do you live here? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're not throwing shade on Bay Area, but we're just saying, no, you know, no, different love, strokes for different sure. folks. That's all we're saying. It's kind of gotten ridiculous. You it know? has. It has. It really has. So it's nice to visit sometimes and yes. then I'm not in it. Right. So yeah, right. for people who are in the tech startup space in the whole Silicon Valley culture, I think there's no better place for you. But if that's not your jam, there's right. a lot of other places on an alternative. Right. So what right. I'm hearing from you is you needed to escape some of the congestion and not giving up part of your life sitting on the road commuting and living a different kind of lifestyle. But the thing that you missed the most was actually some of that intensity, the the culture, the mashup of ideas and people and inspirational things happening. So that's exactly right. right. Very well said. So you're living in a smaller, dense, lower density population. So I guess you guys are just reaching out to the wide world and then pulling people in for many times during the year so that that same cultural exchange, the information exchange can still happen. Is that right? Yes, that's that's exactly right. Okay. At this point, I'd love to bring Heather into the conversation. I'm still unsure of what it is that you do and how you do it with Scalehouse <laughs> and the Ben Design Conference. So can you enlighten me? I can. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I work on the programming committee with Ben Design, and then I also do some of the exhibit design and I kind of work on getting films and the entertainment. And I have a lot of the same feelings Martha does where when I moved here from Denver um, and I grew up in Bend, I really wanted to bring some of the culture here. And when I found out about Bend Design, I really stalked Martha and Renee. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I was pretty relentless. Um, because they had just started Ben Design and they were bringing such amazing speakers. So I wanted to jump on board with what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So also, same question to you. Yes. What do you get out of doing this? Because I've been a part of a volunteer group before and huh? it's a lot of work, not yes. a lot of thanks. And it's like, yes. so something must be burning you inside that fire that keeps you doing this because I tapped out after a little while. Oh, um, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm really passionate about creativity and community. Um, and when I see the people who are coming in, it really drives me and excites me to think that I'm going to be able to spend time with them and share the experience 
of these people with a larger audience. Um, artistically, I really feed off other people. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that this comes in. And it's true. It's a ton of work with, uh, you know, the, the, how can I say this? The, the reward is the experience itself. So if I'm creating a really good experience, basically I get what, you know, I give. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to ask you this question because I've experienced this myself. As people who are deeply involved in organizing events, yes, you're the one to enjoy it, I think, the least because you're running around <laughs> making sure everybody's got what they need and there's a fire being put out. It's like your own wedding. It's like yeah. you can't have fun. Everybody else is having a great time, right? So does that go against your goals? Like, yes, we, we got all these inspirational people together, but I have to run to the next event and I'm shepherding yeah. this person and there's a crisis happening in Hall A or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. how do you guys resolve that? You know, I, I love it even when I'm stressed out because I, I don't lose a perspective. I'm like, my God, look at what's happening. Look at all this stuff. And then I have to go deal with something and and then I get pulled back into something amazing or I'm seeing a snippet of a speaker or some conference goer comes up to me and shares they had this life-changing moment and that that's it that's all I need yeah and I'm the same way and also you know Chris you've been here so Mm -hmm. interacting with people like you and hearing about your experience and so it's for me it's really the audience members as much as I would like to go to the conference and experience it myself (laughs) talking to the audience and talking to people like you who have been here and presented about your experiences is really rewarding for me Mm. i'm starting to get something here so initially (laughs) initially i thought it was about bringing these people so you can learn and soak in their creative juice and replenish your creative soul but it sounds to me like the most important thing is the community, the feedback that you're getting, that you're making a difference, impacting somebody else's life that gives you the greatest fulfillment. Did I get that right? Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, I, I would love to be able to spend more time with the the people that we bring in. But um, I do get, you know, even though I may not be sitting less listening to their presentations or attending their workshops, I'm I'm talking to people throughout the year before they come and I really get to know them and get a sense of them. And then you finally get here and we meet face to face and we have great conversations. So I I feel like I get both Mm -hmm. just in a slightly different way than someone who's sitting in the audience. Yes. And and from the uh, from a speaker's point of view, I'm all in my head and stressed out. So people are like, hey, did you see that talk? Like, I know I was sitting there, but not really. (laughs) So it's not that different than you guys. Like you get some of the crumbs that are flying at you. And then the rest is like, yeah, I I wish I could just have fun and just sit there and take it in and like socialize. Hey, it was good seeing you. And that was it. But it's not like that for us. Right. Okay. It's not, but we're we're hoping someday we'll get there. <laughs> okay, so I know that you do this big design conference, the Ben Design Conference, and you do it annually, right? It's, yes. It's coming up in October, and um, how how do you decide? How do you decide who you invite? Like, what is the curation process like? If I'm a speaker, if I'm a young person, or I'm not a young person and I've never spoken before, like, how do you decide? How do I get into your conference and become a speaker? Um, you know, I'm on social media a lot and I'm kind of cruising around looking who's out there, who's doing interesting things. And I also just like to look at what people are doing. And so sometimes I notice people are kind of on a 
trajectory or they're catching a wave going up and I want to grab them before they go too far. Um, and then some people are just really interesting. And once we amass a bunch of people, um, then we're looking at topics and themes and balance of speakers. But initially finding someone, I'm just kind of curious, like, ooh, who's this person doing mm -hmm. something interesting? That is very interesting. So in a way, you want to go to Ben to discover people that you've not that you're about to hear about. So this is kind of like this thing that you guys get to unravel for your audience together because everybody's heard of the people that everybody's talked about already. So I, right. I like that, that that's your mentality. And I do have to attest that you are super active on social media. <laughs> oh my God, you are on social media. And you're on social media like it scares me and I'm on social media, okay? Come yes. On. No, no, really, you are because I'll post something at 2.30 in the morning because I'm like, I can't sleep. And then next thing I see, I see a reply from you like, what the heck is she doing? What is she doing? And I then don't, don't sleep, Chris. Apparently you do not because in the morning when I can't sleep either, I'm like posting something and there you are again. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe you just don't sleep at all. You're a vampire. What's going on? Uh, I work a lot. Yes, you do. You know, yeah, yes, you do. I work a lot of hours. And so I'm up and, you know, I've multitasking and taking a break you know. yeah taking a break at four in the morning to check the socials <laughs> <laughs> you know you and i we need to uh, check into an addiction uh, clinic or something <laughs> right yeah that. you're gonna deny that that's the first problem is denial by the way <laughs> okay so you guys are about the community you like being around inspirational people Heather, it seems like some of your motivation is to discover this new raw talent that people should know and and yes, you get to put them, put them on the stage, on the stage. Are you guys yeah. hearing an echo? Okay, no. it's gone. Okay, you get to put them on the stage and then I think you've done a great service to the person and to the community and I think that's awesome. And also it sounds to me like the feedback that you're getting, the joy that people are expressing to you fills your soul up so that you can work another 36 hours, right? <laughs> that's yes. what it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Martha, what about you? Like how do you pick somebody in terms of who you think would be a good fit for your community? Unlike Heather, I am not on social media. I really don't like it. Um, I can attest to that as well, please. Right. I'm like, where is Martha? I can't find I'm her not, anywhere. I'm not very minimally. Yes, you are. I am, it's usually not about myself. It's about some something else that yes. I believe in or care about. Mm -hmm. um, I read a lot, so I oh, don't say it just like that. Just <laughs> throw it in her face, like you social people. I read a lot. Excuse me. <laughs> Okay. No, just go on. Go on. I'm sorry. I'm, a, I'm an introvert, Chris. I'm mm -hmm. an introvert. So I spend a lot of time, you know, kind of in my cave and I read. And so I read about people. I read about trends and then find, you know, people or things that are working in that area. Um, quite honestly, I rely a lot on Heather and the rest of the programming team. Um, and then we all get together and, and curate what we think would be the best program and and see who actually will say yes to us mm -hmm. uh, so there's always that that issue yes can they be here will they come you know that sort of thing so mm -hmm. while heather and i are rotting our brains out on social media you're <laughs> filling up this gigantic intellectual well so that when when you need to close uh, a speaker and they're all kind of on the fence you're like the harvey Keitel. you're the wolf of uh, pulp fiction right <laughs> It's like, I'm 27 minutes away, but I'll be there in 13. Is that your job to close the deal? Um, no, no, actually, it's it's not. I mean, You're not the wolf? This is very disappointing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
what what we find is you know we get we get a commitment from someone but then but then you know when we start talking about money or contracts or anything it turns to myself and renee because it's our name on the line and yes legally we're the ones that are responsible for all this mm-hmm. um but once we start talking to people it it just it's it's not hard to close them i have to say and i i don't mean to make it sound easy it's <clears throat> not but Bend is a place people want to come. Um, I think that the size of our event, which is only 470 people, appeals to speakers and presenters because you guys are used to being in front of crowds of thousands. And the fact that you can get close and intimate and have a more personal experience, I think, appeals to a lot of people, or at least that's what they tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they get here, they love the community and the synergy and all that that's that's going on so i see um so i i wouldn't equate myself to harvey Keitel, though i appreciate (laughs) i appreciate you know it's okay for you to let that idea live on you don't have to correct me you're like yes next question it's uh, okay okay. i'll work on that (laughs) okay so if you have a speaker who yeah i get it small audience intimate small town kind of cool things that to do in town but they're not ready to commit. What kind of objection are they throwing at you? Like, where is any kind of hesitation or resistance coming from? First and foremost, it's schedule. Okay. They just can't, you know, they're already booked. They can't make it, whatever. So that's that's number Well, you five. can't solve that. No, no, absolutely not. Um, sometimes it's to be crass and talk about money. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's financial. Of course. You know, they're used to getting honorariums that are much larger than we can afford to give them. Mm-hmm. Um, many people are willing to work with us on that. They're very generous in that way, but sometimes we just can't cross the line. You know, mm-hmm. we can't get to the finish line on it. Right. Um, but I've never had anybody say, you know, gee, this just really isn't my jam. I don't, you know, what you guys are doing here really doesn't doesn't connect with me. I've never had anybody give us that. Hey guys, Ben Burns here. Just want to say thanks for tuning in. It means the world to us at the future when you listen to the podcasts and learn from what we have to say. And your support is what keeps us going. So if you want to keep hearing content like this, consider investing in our kits and courses. Now, we all know design work can be tricky at times, and some clients won't quote-unquote know it till they see it, or they have a hard time seeing what you're imagining for them. But by using Stylescapes, you can take out the guesswork and save so much time in the creation process. Our Stylescapes course was created for you to get the design delivery right the first time. Join Christo as he teaches you how to bring your ideas to life and get clients on board with your vision. Knock your presentation out of the park by going to academy.thefuture.com to enroll in the Stylescapes course. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
I appreciate you bringing that up because a lot of times I'm, I'm facing it on another side myself, which is there's a conflict and, and I'm going to be super transparent here. The conflict is I would love to come to a town I've never been to, to meet whole new people and to hear their stories and understand the challenges they're going through and see if I can't help. And if I can't help in the moment, it's material for me later on to think like, yes, I need to produce a video or write a piece of content for that. But then there's this other idea. It's like a lot of people are asking for 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 people like me to speak. And I have to be smart about if I say yes to this, what am I saying no to? So I'm saying no to spending time with my family or my kids or something like that, or actually even managing my own business, as you guys can imagine. Right. So both of you have to do the same as you volunteer and to help produce an event. You're saying no to your career in a way because it's taking time away from that. So that's the struggle. The struggle is I would like to charge and and get the money that I'm getting uh, at every conference so that that makes there's an added incentive. So that's always the battle. And it's hard. It's hard for a lot of us who are trying to or aspire to be professional speakers along with our career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I didn't, I guess I wasn't expecting a response, but I'm just, I'm just saying that. Okay. <laughs> We're just listening, Chris. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so how many years has it been uh, that you've been putting on the design conference? This is our fifth year. Fifth year. Wow. Yes. Okay. Hard well, to believe, actually. Well, congrats. I know. Thank you. Okay, so what have you learned in those five years? Oh, that's wow. a big question. Well, give me the top two dirtiest, craziest things you've learned. You know, like some things that you thought, and then, ooh, we got that wrong. Well, it's just for me personally, I've I've learned I really have to segment my my professional life from this because before they were all blending together and it just mm-hmm. was not good for either one. So that that's one big lesson that I learned. Um, I've learned that you, we can't please everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. That's just not, not an achievable goal. So if we can please most of the people most of the time, that's what we go for. Can um, you give me an example of that? Oh, sometimes we'll get post event. Some somebody will come forward and say, you know, I really didn't like so and so. What was that all about? Mm-hmm. But eighty, you know, ninety five percent of everybody else is raving about that person. Right? I see. So we just can't can't listen to that one or two or someone saying, well, why don't you feature more local talent and. Like, mm. well, one, we do, but two, that's really not the point of the conference. The point of the conference is to be, bring outside voices in. Right. Right. So, um, things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, well, too, some speakers are a little bit more politically charged than others. And so, uh, sometimes we get a lot of feedback, um, especially people who are engaging a lot of social justice design, um, and I agree with Martha, you you just can't please everybody and everybody has different views. And I think it's better to give people sort of a range of topics and experiences. And if their buttons are pushed by some of the topics, maybe it'll lead to a better conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, you want to stimulate critical thinking. And sometimes that means challenging your belief system a little bit, your worldview. I, I personally love that, but I know that it's a sensitive thing for people. They don't like to be challenged that way, and so they're going to react. True. 
Yes, and I also think that, you know, if you're going to an event and you're listening to, say, eight different people, if you really like six out of the eight, that was a great experience. You know, you, you don't have to necessarily love eight out of eight. Right. But some, you know, so. They want it to be eight out of eight. That's not a really realistic expectation, is it? No. Not to my, in my no. mind. No. Okay. Um, some other questions for you here. If Martha, it sounds to me like when you said one of the lessons that you learned, which was to segment your conference life from your professional life, otherwise it can be all consuming. If you could, if you could, would you just do the scale house Ben thing full time if financially there was no issue? It's really tempting. It's, it's very tempting because I really love it and I'm passionate about it. Um, I also love my work and love my clients. So it's a, it's a hard thing to answer. Um, but I've been doing what I do professionally for quite a while. So in some respects, Scalehouse and Ben Design are, are a little bit of the newer, shinier object, mm -hmm. <laughs> which, which, is, which is tempting. And also I've been doing what I do for a long time and change is always good and I like keeping things kind of mixed up so so it's tempting but I I don't know if I could say definitively I would okay same question to you Heather would you do it if financially Martha backed up a truck and just dumped a pile of cash in front of you <laughs> just think about that well whatever it is that you are making now right so you get to do this all the time you know, it's a really tough question because I feel the same. I'm really passionate um, and I love it, but there's still part of me that's pulled. Well, if I, okay, here we go. If I could still do the visual part regarding exhibits, I'm, I would be inclined to say yes, because then it would feed both sides of my uh, aptitude and what I love doing. But if it was just programming, I'd still have to include the visual mm -hmm. arts. Okay, so the exhibit design part, is that for the conference or just for your own time and your own pleasure? Uh, it's for the conference. Okay, so if, so now Martha has a clear idea as to what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I'm not even expensive as a headhunter. I don't ask for 20%, 10% will suffice. 10% will work for me, okay? So if we can close this deal by, by the end of this call, uh, I move really quick. Okay, so money, exhibit design, she's all in. Okay. Okay. Now, I know we're messing around a little bit here, but there's some seriousness to this because I think about this. As as you may know, part of my life and my career is trying to help people build a sustainable creative practice around what it is that they want to do. So I'm always, in, and I would love to agree to disagree or disagree with, totally with you. And I'd like to get into some of that friction conversation now, if possible, in that I think conferences should be profitable so that they can pay speakers that they want and they can pay people for giving their good time. So it's not just an act of goodwill. It's like, it feels good and it feels good in my bank account. And so this is where I think sometimes people who put on conferences, they do it for the community and for the love, which is wonderful, but it's not a sustainable business. It comes at the cost of people giving away their time. Thoughts? I agree with you 100%. Okay. Yes. You do? Yes. Okay. Yes, we all do. And that is that is the goal mm -hmm. to 
make it sustainable financially so we would love to be able to pay people mm. i'd love to be able to pay myself but <laughs> <laughs> pay yourself first pay yourself first and then pay the speakers we, we aren't there and you okay. know maybe we need you to come and coach us on how to get there <laughs> <laughs> yes um, it's just it's producing things like this as you know chris are, it's very expensive there are a lot of costs involved and mm -hmm. many people that attend don't understand those costs and where they are and why things cost what they do. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a smaller area like we are, you know, you can't just reach out and say, well, why doesn't Apple sponsor us? Right. Why doesn't Google get on board? Yeah. Why doesn't Adobe get on board? Mm -hmm. We're here and we're a small community and they're looking at where's the conference of 10,000 that we can sponsor, right. put our name on yeah. right. or produce ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying it can't be done. Okay. We, need, we definitely need help there. But honestly, we don't have the bandwidth to develop that whole pitch, and we need someone who can do it for us. <laughs> okay, I get this it. This is the catch-22. I get it. So this is going to be part therapy, part coaching, part like getting to know your stories. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. Heather needs to get a little bit off of social media. And Martha, you need to read a few less books, and then we'll have some time. We have to give up something, right? Okay. Now let's get into it. Introvert. I, that's part of recharging my batteries. That's the only way I can go out and do what I do mm -hmm. is, is give myself that downtime. Well, who's taking all that energy away from you? It's my, my clients. I knew it. The clients that you want to hold on to. I knew it was going to be clients. It's a heavy personal interaction yes. um, industry. Yes. And I love them, but I do have to recharge. Yeah, see, so if the conference can pay you a little bit more, you can only take on a few clients that you ultimately just truly love, so they won't take away all your energy, and then therefore you can focus on the business aspect. So this is the virtual cycle now, instead of the vicious cycle, right? Where it's like, right. I don't have time, and then I have to do That's this, like you're gone. I have no energy, you see? Okay, <laughs> but before I get into all that stuff, because my head is like exploding to a thousand places right now, <clears throat> in a good way, is let's talk about the cost. What are your biggest costs? What are the top three things that are sucking out all the money? Um, the speaker expenses, meaning honorariums, travel, lodging, all of that, everything that's associated with bringing people in. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to picture the budget sheet in my head. Um, what about the spaces? The, re the venue, yeah. right? Yeah. Venues, venues are up there um, as well as, you know, food and entertainment and, you know, those kinds of things that you have to have as part of an event like this. Okay. I get it. Those are the top three. So probably in that order, getting speakers out to Ben costs money. The yes. venue costs money. And then yes. probably pretty far down the line, there's food and entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about revenue sources. And there's marketing. You know, oh, marketing. Costs money. marketing. Oh, marketing's free because Heather's doing it all, isn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Heather's doing a lot of the marketing. Isn't it? Isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That would make a pretty good <laughs> argument for that truck of cash. I'm just saying. Oh. See how I set you up, Heather? 
This is called an alley oop. I throw it up, you just put it in the basket. Right. Okay. Okay, so marketing, I get it. Okay, so let's talk about revenue source. Is it mostly ticket sales? Um, no, it is mostly sponsorship. Really? Yes. Wow, that's shocking. We are dealing really basically with local businesses that will support us. Um, we do get a very generous grant from the city mm-hmm. through something called the Bend Cultural Tourism Fund. And that money comes from the hotel room tax. Mm-hmm. So every year we submit a grant request, you know, given our proposal and they, they vet all of these requests and allocate funds to whoever they think should get them. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a big chunk of our, of our money. But frankly, that money is meant to bring people from in from out of town. So we're, that's for marketing outside of our area. Right. Some of it goes to bringing people in because without a good program, you're not attracting anybody. Right. Um, so that's, that's a good chunk. We have local businesses and ticket sales, frankly, is not, I would say that's number three on the list. Yep, I agree. Really? That's shocking to me. Okay, this is very good information here. So may I ask how much you get from the grant? It's different every year. Mm-hmm. Um, we asked, this year we asked for 28000 I think we got twenty seven. Last okay. year we got twenty two. Okay. So it's a it's a good amount of money. Okay, and then for comparison, ticket sales, how much does it cost for a ticket? Average ticket price. I know there's early birds and all kinds of stuff, but the average ticket um, price is? This year it's $200. $200. So I'm gonna do some math here. Is that 80,000? Um, yes. Do you, do you, 400, 400 times 200. Oh. Um, right? we, well, first of all, we don't have, we can't, we don't sell 400 tickets because some of them go to sponsors, some of them go to speakers, some of them, you know, I see. Um, go, to, go to the volunteers that help us put this together. So we probably sell, mm-hmm. and you're putting me on the spot here, Chris, we probably sell 325. Okay. I'll just say 300 because the math is easier. For, for sale. Okay. Well, wait a minute here. That's 60,000. That's a lot more than 27. You're right. It is. But combine that with, we get, we usually have about um, 25 to 30 in sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And what was the other one I said? The grant? Yeah, the grant was there. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking at my, at a budget sheet, so I'm just pulling this out of the air. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I don't. I'm not trying to put you on the spot or expose no, anything. I'm not trying to expose your business acumen or not. You're trying, or, to, make a, hmm? you're trying to make a point. I'm just looking. No, I'm just. I'm no, no points are made yet. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> the point is coming, but it's not here yet. Right. I, I'm excavating. That's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to understand the business, right? Right. Okay. This is fascinating to me. Okay, so two hundred dollars a ticket. Who are you attracting at two hundred dollars a ticket? Um. All kinds of people in the create in creative industries. Right. Not we're not industry specific, so that can be you know designers of any ilk, um, entrepreneurs. Uh, we get educators. We get city officials. We get just interested, curious citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, we last year most of our attendees were from out of town. 
like a lot well, of them. 41% came yeah. from out of town. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we have businesses send teams, which is really cool. You know, like architectural firms or design firms or, um, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of so, cool. It's it's it, it's a very hmm. broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. We get students, quite a few students. Oh yeah, a lot of students. Right. And we had some from the medical industry last year too coming in, which is interesting. Yeah. Okay, this is fascinating to me. Well, I didn't mean to turn this into like just probing your brain and your business, but here we go. So, <laughs> so, so here's here's what I wrote down. Here's what I wrote down. This is the most wild podcast I've ever done. I just want to let you guys know. And you're also the first ever tag team uh, podcast interview. It's always one-on-one. So there's an interesting dynamic that's going on here. Okay. You guys call your very broad audience interesting and interesting in a positive light. So the marketing copy would go out something like this. Attention, people in the creative industry. Are you an entrepreneur? Are you the curious citizen? Are you a, um, oh, what did I write here? Are you an educator? Are you in the medical field? Are you an administrator? We are for you. I was like, that's kind of it. That's kind of it. Wait, wait, hold on. And you guys are really proud of that. I'm like, oh my God. No wonder. No wonder you. It's a little broad. That's an understatement. It makes messaging and marketing really challenging, but people love it that it's so broad and it's not (laughs) specific. So, Uh oh. Oh Oh my God. Okay, so the doctor shows up. It's like, what is this joker talking about uh, for logo design? This makes, this has no appeal to me. And then, it's like the problem is you're trying to cast such a wide net that there isn't this core belief. That's one thought. Because what's going to be interesting to one group, however small or big, is most likely not going to be that interesting to another group. It's a smorgasbord. It's a it's a buffet versus like the best Kobe steak you've ever had in your life. Right. So that's one of your challenges because to me, the ticket price of $200 is very low. Yeah, we all we agree know. It is super low. Yes. We know. Okay, now, why is it so low? Is it because people don't see the value, people can't afford it, or you just want it to be a charity? Which one is it? Martha, do you want to <laughs> <laughs> You know, this is when Heather's like moonwalking out of the room. It's like, uh, I have a call, excuse me. Why is this? Um, I'll be really frank with you and probably more frank than I should be. Um, we get a lot of pushback when we try to raise ticket prices. And I, and it is mostly from people who are here versus people coming in from out of town. Cause I think, I think they're used to spending more money for mm-hmm. things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just, there's, yeah. So there's a reluctance to push too far. We do, we have raised our ticket prices every year since we've started. Um, but there, there is. There is some pushback, and and I'm going to say there's also reluctance on our part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you Let's... agree with that, Heather? Yes, I I do. <laughs> I agree with that, and I I think part of it too is not wanting to alienate the local community. You know, there we'd we'd like them to still come. So. Okay, this is a podcast, so people cannot see my face in pain right now. So we will <laughs> oh, we will just describe the pain. Okay. Mm. Two things. One, people push back because they don't see value. Okay. 
that's the message they're sending to you because they'll gladly spend $500 for a boost boosted board or whatever those things are called, right? Mm -hmm. They'll spend money <clears throat> they'll spend money where they see value, excuse me. <clears throat> they'll spend money where they see value and right now the value exchange isn't clear because potentially you're very diverse programming. The thing that you love and champion is only hitting them like two out of eight. So if you have eight speakers, only two really appeal to me. So a perception of value is I don't want to pay six eights more than what I need to. Mm. That's one of the problems, right? It's like, I don't want to, I don't want the rest of that. I just want this part of the meal. Right. So that's one problem. And if you could clearly demonstrate, at least in the person's mind, that they get $600 value, then $200 seems a pretty good bargain. Mm. This is a function of programming, positioning, and pricing strategies that if you use a little bit different kind of tactic, you might get very different results because I've spoken a lot of different places. I personally also produce our own events and $200 is cheap. Yeah, it's I know. It's so cheap. We it had is. we had um, uh, Maggie Enterios on our, um, at our, studio and she did a lettering workshop or mm -hmm. kind of a procreate workshop i think the mm -hmm. price was 150 bucks for three hours right and we're not including anything with that right you yeah, literally right. drive you come in you do the thing and you leave and we sold live stream versions of it as well so it's like this cannot like in the world of value this seems really off balance to me so something else is going on there but perhaps it's the other part that's the real problem is your mindset, your reluctance to do this. And what do you fear? Why wouldn't you just set the price higher? Um, Can you vocalize your fear? Like what will they say when you change the price? Let's say you change the price to $400. Um, I, and this isn't really my fear, but I think the it, it's that people won't come. Yeah. That we that we won't have a full theater. That we won't have the number of people that we want because some people have been priced out. Though there are many ways to attend without paying. We have you know volunteer opportunities and other things that happen. So if you need that, we have it. Um, I'm going to push back with you a little bit though on the on the diversity because the feedback that we get from people who attend and who answer our surveys and such, I would say they're, instead of liking two out of eight, they're liking six or seven out of eight. And and I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm a person that finds inspiration all over the place. It doesn't have to be specific to another interior designer. You inspire me, Heather inspires me. I find it everywhere and I like to hear from that cross-section and know about that cross-section. That's me, so that's where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. do you, you know, if we wanted to do an, a graphic design conference, that would be a whole different thing. Right, so do you think you represent the majority of the 400 people who show up? Like they think like you, they, they are you? I think a good portion of them are, yeah. Mm. There is a, um, <laughs> there's, this, there's this book. It talks about how to negotiate with people, right? Are you and kidding me with this? I'm not kidding you with this. And literally in the book, it says there's a danger. I, I forget the term because I just literally finished reading the book two days ago, is that there's a danger in thinking people think like us. Yeah, that's true. That is it's true. a form of bias. Like I have these values. People must have the same values when in fact they do not. 
Yeah, that's a good They point. don't. Otherwise, they would all be living there volunteering to help you. All of mm -hmm. them. Really? All 400. Yeah, because if they thought like you, they would do exactly what you were doing, right? If you think mm -hmm. about it, they it's would true. volunteer that's and true. help. Okay. True. So one of those things that I've learned in the book is this uh, idea of tactical empathy, which is you got to take yourself out of you and look at the world from the other person's point of view. Right. So this idea, and I do love diversity, but we are talking about like 12 people in this conversation right now. <laughs> if you think about it, right? Because if you were to put on a hand lettering conference, let's just say that's what it was about. Right. Everybody who was like a who's who, who wanted to be in this space in this career would get so much freaking value because it's not just like one mind bomb being blown up. It'd be like eight. It'd be like a nuclear detonation that they've never seen before in their mind. It's like, wow, I got to see this, this, and that person. They all have such rich, different techniques. And it's like, woo, I, I have my fill for the year. It's one of the dangers of being super broad and diverse. Now, I'm going to challenge you back and say, <laughs> if you had a client, Martha, and you're designing, you're an interior designer, right? So you're going to design an interior for their home. And they tell you, I like eclectic, I like modern, I like all these things, make all of it work. How would you respond to that? Well, I, I help them through conversation mm -hmm. and exploration to hone, to fine tune that and to hone it in and find out, you know, I don't necessarily think as a designer, those things are all mutually exclusive, but you don't want it to just look like a hot mess. You need to make it look thoughtful and um, intentional. intentional. Mm -hmm. Right. But every room they say, I want it to be different. And I want this part to be, I want Moroccan influences. I, I want German. <laughs> I want all these things in here and, and you can't find. So we can see that there's a little bit of a problem there, right? A little yes. unfocused, mismatched, yeah. hodgepodge, yeah. as you say. Yes. And we think that we want to guide the client through a process of finding out what they really like and finding where the overlap exists. Yes. So you as a curator of content are trying to do the same. And if you're able to communicate that to your community, all of a sudden the audience becomes, they look and sound very different. Mm. Okay. Okay. So people, I mean, the reason why this is so fresh in my mind is because I coach a group of about 300 people and there's a few of them in there that are very stubborn and insisting <laughs> range, broad, diversity, generalization is the way to go. And I'm like, not the way the world works. Not yeah, consistent yeah. with your worldview, even if you just think about it. Yeah. Every true. time we want the best of something, that's what we pick. We don't pick the kind of okay at everything. That's what we want. We want the best of something. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the trouble. And I think, and I, I think I, I know why a little bit because as I speak to different event organizers, I get this very idea that they think if I have this star, they'll bring in that audience, and this star, they'll bring in that audience. Right. And that'll help me sell tickets. Yep. And so the reality is this, and you guys tell me if I'm right or wrong here, is that they agree to speak and they do little to help you promote. They don't actually even activate their audience because they're like, fine, I didn't get a great fee. I'm not, whatever, I'll show up and do my thing. And and their star power, their drawing power isn't as great as we thought because we were fans of them, but their their community is not highly engaged. So there's some struggles there. So I always think like less is better, less but better is good. Mm -hmm. versus more and lower quality or less time or less depth. Mm -hmm. And I think we can generally agree with that, right? So if you had an amazing person to do workshops and talks and they really gave a ton of value where everybody's like, this is worth $1,000. Your asking yeah. price of $400 won't be much at all. 
Mm, that's a good point. Right? Just to think about yeah. that. So, okay. You're like, dude, I thought this was a podcast where you talk to <laughs> us and now you're freaking lecturing us. And my audience is like, oh, here he goes again. Oh, snap. Here it comes. Maybe maybe we need you. You need to come in and coach us on all of this. Well, I, I'm the lucky outsider that I get to see. <laughs> no, really. If you think about it, I'm the lucky outsider. I get to see a lot of different things and patterns happen in organizations. And I see many of these uh, events won't last for another 10 years because it's unsustainable at the, tra the trajectory that they're going. They think some miracle thing's gonna happen, but it was almost uh, ill-conceived and flawed by design. Mm -hmm. Understand. Okay. Mm. Okay, now what oh. were we talking about? The Ben design? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Chris. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I, I wanna say, switching gears a little bit switching gears many gears have been switched but here we go okay. i i thought that you guys uh, because of the unique location the small kind of main street usa vibe that you have there is really cool the upper left united states is a pretty cool space to be you're surrounded by nature and small town everything's walking like literally walking yes. It, yeah. It's like you can't get lost because it's only four blocks by four blocks. I mean, you can't. True. It's like first I was like, oh no, no, it's really, it's it's right around the corner. I can't <laughs> believe it. Like, why do I even go on Google Maps? This is silly. <laughs> this is silly. So the 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 chances of you bumping into a colleague, a friend, a fan, a mentor is really high. And I just like that everything's so walkable, so you don't think about your car anymore. There are decent food options, and there's definitely things that, that exist way outside of the conference itself. So if you're a nature lover, uh, one of my friends, Rob Garrett, who lives in town, who moved out from L.A., he took me up to a waterfall, and it was like, yeah, that's like 10 minutes away? Yeah. How cool is that? Right? <laughs> so I have pictures of me fresh from doing a workshop with a suit and tie. <laughs> you know, out in these kind of red clay dirt next to the waterfall with my son. So I thought that was so awesome. And I'm, I'm glad to have experienced that. But I think there's something to be said about the small town town vibes. If you can capture that and that kind of friendly, like I'm your neighbor kind of vibe with world class speakers and workshops and knowledge exchange, you have a winning formula. So oh. Well, thank you. You, know, thank and, you, and you guys are, are very good at, at bringing people on board and having a conversation and, and you do multiple conversations with people just to make sure it's a good fit for both of you. And mm -hmm. I think you've done the hard work of doing that. So hats off to you in that regard. Thank, well, thank you. you. Okay. Now that we know that the Ben Design Conference is going to go bankrupt, what else can we talk about? <laughs> oh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You guys, the ticket price, the ticket price. Last year, is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, this no, year, no, no. Podcast. This is what I'm saying. Uh, for everybody listening, uh, the the $200 price is a discount because it's it's like a five-year anniversary price because you never know. Next year, it could be double or triple. Who knows? So this right. is a great time to get in on the five-year price, and, and we'll see. So who are some of the people you're most excited about hearing and meeting in person? Uh, Debbie Millman. Mm. I cannot wait to meet Debbie Millman. I am so excited. She's awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes, we have... We, um, we have an architect by the name of Deanna Van Buren coming, mm -hmm. and she is trying to envision the world without prisons. Wow. Yeah. That's a neat idea. Yeah. That's some social cause for you, right? Social justice? Yeah, it, it is. Yes. It wow. Is. Deanna um, Van Buren, that sounds like a name of like a house DJ, like boom, <laughs> going to spin <laughs> records and talk about 
Life without prison. Okay. Who else you got? That was superhero. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll know once we meet her. She may be. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Vineski. Oh, Martin. Oh, Martin. Vineski. Yes. yes. He's I, an old school. Like he's been around. This is yes. like a legend. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's got a new book out with a bunch of new work, and he's making a transition from graphic design into photography. So oh, he's wow. gonna give a whole talk about yeah. transitions in the careers. I'm really mm-hmm. excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, oh, go ahead. Um, I was to know. I think that's great. Uh, Peter Burr, who you oh, probably know. I can't a, wait. He's an, a motion graphic person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Peter yeah. Burr, he does, um, he's out of Brooklyn, does a lot of experimental animation, and uh, he's going to show some work and then give a talk. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do we have? I'm trying to picture the schedule in my brain. Um, Martin, who Trey Seals is coming. Trey Seals, who's a font designer, mm-hmm. type designer, I should mm-hmm. say. It's the better way to put it. And look at some of his work. He's also working in the social justice arena in mm-hmm. terms of um, yes. type and graphics and that sort of thing. So he's he's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Right, just to see him. Yeah, I, he's going to be interesting because he said he thought he would be known by the time he was 25 and he's now 26. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. And someone you know, Diane Gibbs is coming. Yes, yes. my friend Diane Gibbs. She's amazing. Yes. So she's coming out and she's she's a lot of fun and very excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Joel Pilger yes. is coming back as a keynote this year. Last year he did a workshop. Mm-hmm. So I'm right. very excited to see him again and see what he can do mm-hmm. on the uh, main stage. Yeah. Yes. He's a great yeah. speaker. Very, very comfortable on stage. Unlike most creative people. Yes. He <laughs> He's is. good up on stage. Yes, he <laughs> is. Unlike most creative people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That sounds like a really good lineup. That's at least, like, if we do the math, if we take those speakers, how many speakers do you plan on having on the main stage? Eight. Eight. So if you divide 200 divided by eight, that's like $25 a speaker? Yeah. Like, yeah, that is exactly, right? Yes. 25 bucks a speaker. So I'll, I'll say something to kind of understand relative value. If you were to go and watch a movie and have popcorn and a soda, that'd be 25 bucks. And you're not going to learn. You, you you might even, you might even see a poorly scripted kind of just thing that just sucks you in but doesn't really leave you with anything. So that's why I think the price is so so modest. Maybe this is a this is a Northwest thing. Oh, this okay. modesty in price is no, it? I, I, no, I think I don't think it is. I think okay. it's and we really do understand that we're offering a lot more value than we charge for Mm -hmm. but there are some external forces in a small area that we do need to contend with and that's we're working to overcome those um and the the as we have grown and become better it's understood and we are going to be able to push that farther Mm -hmm. okay before we wrap up I promise you Chris we'll, yes we'll figure this out yes. <laughs> you will have to right because <laughs> because uh, Heather wants a dream job so we we I know we have to work this out truckload of cash in her driveway right. I do I yeah. do want that here's how you do pricing strategy you take what Heather wants to make a year and you divide <laughs> that up by ticket available ticket sales and you increase the price just by that amount and then you have Heather oh there we go. Geez. it's that easy wow Chris it really is 
great formula. Bam. Right? So if you could sell 300 tickets and she needs to make whatever she needs to make, let's say, say uh, for easy math, uh, $60,000 a year. So then you would just have to charge $20 more a ticket, I think. No, is that right? No, 200, no. Oh yeah, you would have to double the price, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Heather is killing the conference. God, Heather. <laughs> oh my God. So that's it. So we have to figure that out. Okay. Oh my God. Are there, is there anything else you want to talk about? Something I didn't mention or something about your story that, that makes this that more interesting or anything we missed? I mean, we were pretty thorough with, you were pretty thorough you with were us. You were pretty thorough, yeah. Um, um, let me think about this. I don't know. I just, we're, we really hope people come out. We love seeing everybody. We love having everyone here. I personally am really excited about who's coming out and for myself as a motion designer, um, having Peter Burr, Ivor Zeal, Joel Pilger, um, and then there'll be some other people dropping in to teach some workshops. It's going to be fantastic. Um, it depends on what your niche is, but there really is a lot to offer this year. So um, myself personally, the intimacy being in band is a lovely experience and I got to hang out and meet with Chris uh, last year which is amazing and the year before Ryan Summers and you get to spend time with your design heroes which is uh, for me I I don't think it would happen if I hadn't been here so please right. come yeah it's 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 a great experience the synergy is phenomenal so even for those of us that are on the production side that synergy we we kind of feed off of that we do it's true great i've really enjoyed our conversation and to kind of dive into a little bit of your mindset and your motivation and also for you guys for sharing so openly about some of the business challenges that lie ahead for you <laughs> right so thanks for riding on the crazy train known as my podcast uh, so thank you for doing this Thank you, Chris, for Thanks, having us. Chris. My pleasure. <laughs> this is Martha. And this is Heather. And, and you've been, been listening to The Future. The Future is hosted by me, Chris Doe. Our show is edited by Samuel Burns with an assist from Stuart Schuster. Big thanks to Adam Sanborn for composing our theme song. To subscribe to the Future Podcast, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. While you're there, do us a solid and leave us a review. Your comments will help guide future programming, and hey, it'll help us with our rankings. Can't get enough content? You're in luck. We have over 500 episodes on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash thefutureishere. Make sure you don't miss out on upcoming events, workshops, live broadcasts, and webinars by signing up for our newsletter. Go to our site, future.com, and click on the email sign-up button. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Future Is Here. Thanks for listening. See you on the next episode.